friends, and welcome to episode 149 of Let's Talk with Scoggs. This week, I got to catch up with Mariel Loveland, best ex. We haven't had a chance to speak in years. It was so exciting to catch up with her and enjoy her new album with a smile. Um, we went through a bunch of the songs that I love. She took time out of her honeymoon to do this interview with me. And the album is beautiful. There's so much to it. I'm so excited for you to listen to it. You can stream it now, basically everywhere. Buy it even, that would be even better. And just enjoy this one. She gives some great advice at the end about how to be more present, which is something I'm constantly working on. But in the meantime, enjoy Marielle. This is a great one. Here's episode 149 of Let's Talk with Scoggs with Best X. Um, yes, it has been a long time, but things are okay. Things are good. Um, and I saw that you, you just, you got married or you just had a a wedding. I'm literally on my honeymoon right now in, um, Alsace, France in a (gasps) hotel. (laughs) Holy moly. Oh my gosh. That's beautiful. It's been fun. Yes. My well, husband's sitting next to me playing some Roman Empire game on his <laughs> his phone. You know, they say on the, I don't know, because you're not on the internet anymore, but <laughs> there's a meme going on about how often men think about the Roman Empire. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he apparently thinks about it a lot. That is the same. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, to be fair, I see the internet. I just don't use it the way I used to. It's just, <laughs> I don't have it in me anymore. I don't know. I'm just 37 and just don't care. This is so bad. That sounds That's so probably bad. better. It sounds better. No. It sounds healthy. I know, but I have this, I mean, at least this podcast, I should post more about it. But anyway, we're here <laughs> to talk about you. Okay. So. I have a lot of things I want to talk about, but obviously, first and foremost, congratulations Thank you. on your debut solo album. I'm so excited. <laughs> I have a lot of little notes that I took and like little things I wanted to talk about, but just in general, I want to like take a second because I've followed your music and all the different phases and eras, so to speak, that you've been through. And what a big moment and accomplishment to make something, decide you're going to do something and actually do it. And it's beautiful. So congratulations. Thank you. I think that's the biggest hurdle, just like actually doing it. Like once you decide, you just got to really push. Yes, you do. And uh, so with a smile, we have 12 songs Mm -hmm. and I have... My little notes against all of them are kind of funny. Um, There's a couple of lines, because you've always been a really um, poetic writer. You're very sarcastic, and there's jokes, and there's light humor, a lot of self-deprecation, which is always very fun to sit with actual headphones on and listen. I find that when I listen to things over, like, a speaker, I'm kind of more into, like, the rhythm of the song or what the instrumentals are doing, but I sat down with headphones just before we started talking, and I listened through it twice with my headphones on so I could catch all of your lyrics because I know that's one of your big, big strengths. And gosh, there are some that really gutted me. Oh, I mean, thank in a good you. way. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, in a good way. So 
Uh, so Die For You is a song that people have gotten to hear already. And that line, I would have died for you and you would have let me. Oh, my gosh. Dude. You know what's interesting about that one is that I had originally had that as the chorus of, like, a different song hmm. about, like, a boyfriend. And I'm like, this is kind of, like, overdramatic <laughs> about that because, like, this man – wouldn't have wouldn't have let me die wouldn't have done anything he just would have been like yeah I don't know about all that you know yeah um but then when we were thinking you know I was writing with my friend and we were thinking in the context of like the music industry asking so much from women Mm -hmm. and constantly making them bend over backwards um and do things that kind of push them towards doing things that are against their values against their morals things that don't feel good um, with the end prize being like fame, success, mm-hmm. you do realize on the other side of that success that like it's a very sort of vapid and shallow and that all of the things these people are asking for you are not because they care about your career. It's because they just care about using everything that you have to offer until there is nothing there anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm so curious – and if this is something where you're like, uh, let's move on to the next topic, I completely understand. But as a young woman, like you were, how old were you when Candy Hearts like started getting momentum? Were you like 19, 20? How yeah, old were you I then? I was 19. Oh my gosh. At 19, I didn't know anything. I knew at nothing. All. <laughs> nothing. So having to navigate all of those things that you just expressed, like I, I've done a lot of reflecting in the past couple of years as a lot of us have, especially where I am in my life and having the ability to be like, wow, think about my twenties. That was wild. I knew nothing. But now that you're more seasoned, you have more experience, you have a greater perspective on how women are treated. How have you been able to either see things that are changing for the better or the areas where we really need to dig in more Like, where do you sit with all that stuff now? I mean, I think things are changing for the better. Mm -hmm. Um, Just not there yet, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember being like 22 years old and I had this, I was on my first few tours and like they were really successful. And I had this manager who was like, this artist manager of all of these bands. And I really wanted a manager who like knew his stuff. And this was like a, a really good management company. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited. And he sits down to like talk to my band because he, he really wants to like represent us. Right. And we have a conversation. The last thing he asked me at the end of the conversation is just before we proceed, I need to know like Marielle, if you have children or if you plan on having children because we can't work with any artists who have children. And I looked at him like, wait, what? Like, do I look like a child bride to you? Like, what are you talking? Like, I was barely not a teenager. And he looks at my face and he said, oh, it's just a company policy. Like, uh, the same goes for the guys, I guess. Uh And I know for a fact now that that manager represents or has represented men who have children. So it's like such a ridiculous double standard. And I don't think that people now are as brazen mm. to say it out loud. Wow. 
That's- but I do wonder, like, do people still think that? I mean, I, I've had a, a really interesting experience with, like, we talked about before we started recording. I moved from Los Angeles to Oklahoma, and I don't have any children. I don't know if that's going to happen for us. I'm open to it. I don't know. But the amount of times that that's the first thing about me here, whereas in Los Angeles, the first question was always like, hey, what do you do out here? Like, what's your ambition? Why why did you move to such a tough city? And here I'm finding that it's like, well, how many kids do you have? Are you having kids? Like, we need a timeline. It's like, I don't know you. We're at the grocery store. Like, I'm just, I don't, we're not, it's just so strange to be put in that position. And then my husband lovely guy, very supportive. You know, he's, he's not of that mindset, but no one ever asks him like, so when are you going to have some kids? When is that going to happen? It's so weird. And to put that on a 22 year old. It's so weird. What? Like, and how can I know that in in my life there wouldn't be an accident and I would just decide, Oh, you know what? Maybe I do want to like, and then and then what do, are they allowed to not work with you anymore because you're, you have a child like that oh. is illegal, but kind of not because they can, you know, do whatever they want, I guess. Wow. This, that's that this conversation and what that person said to you is not even something that ever crossed my mind as an obstacle. That kind of you. stuff happened to me constantly earlier uh, in my oh. career. And I do think it happens much less so now. Mm. Um, but you always have to wonder like, and that one was especially bad because the woman who owned that company who allegedly made the policy was a woman. Uh-huh. Um, so the call comes from inside the house mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But I think that people are more open-minded and understanding um, of the pressures that women face now because there's been such a movement to be very vocal about it, which mm-hmm. is something that I always strive to do to sort of like raise awareness of the way that I've been treated for, versus like the men around me. Because I think it's, if you don't have people showing you and you're not seeing it firsthand, it's very easy to just think it doesn't exist. Like when I was a 19 year old, like getting into the industry, I like, you know, had the cursory knowledge that like, okay, like women are treated a little less good than men, but I thought it was like pretty much equal. Mm. You know, you see the statistics of like, you know, pays a little bit less, whatever. You don't really like see truly like how bad it is on like a daily basis in Mm -hmm. at least, especially this like specific industry. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Like I, as a music listener, as just, I need it. I love it. Thank you for making it. I am so naive to what it, what it actually is like to be an artist, what it is to put all that time in, make something, hope someone's going to release it or people are going to like it. And I, from my little vantage point, the music industry is very confusing because I don't know who's popular, who's going to make it, who's going to get to do the next thing. It's very unclear to me as a, as a listener. So I can't imagine what it's like to be in the industry, rely on that for your livelihood, your career, um, how you support yourself. 
And then also all of this other stuff is kind of added onto it just because you're a woman. I think it's confusing for everyone. (laughs) Yes. I don't understand. Like, I don't even know how to find new music anymore outside of the lovely PR people that send me, hey, this release is coming out. Here you go. Like, I don't, I feel like the music industry has just changed so much and it does probably every six months at least. But even Mm. my listening habits, and it might be that I've gotten older, that might be it, but it's just so confusing as a listener. So again, I applaud you for making an album that's beautiful because it's like the Wild West. Like, I don't know what's going on out there. Uh, Yeah, it's the Wild West. So I just figured it's the Wild West for everyone. Like this big thing came out recently, like a whole expose. I forget exactly what publication it was in. It might have been like Billboard or Wall Street Journal or something like that, where it was like major labels are struggling to find a breakthrough act and don't know what to do. Yep. Even they don't know. So you might as well just make what you want. Oh, yes. And uh, for songs that I love, especially on With a Smile, um, this is going to really lean into that I'm, I'm a happy person right now. But Salt on Skin... I love that song. I love the bridge so much. So whatever you want to tell me about Salt on Skin, I'm all ears. Because I, I I, put that one back like three or four times before I could move on because I just loved it so much. Oh, thank you so much. I really love that song because my bandmate wanted me to write something that was like a little bit dreamy sounding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had just been during the pandemic riding my bike around a lot um, in Brooklyn in the summer um, when I moved back to the city. And the melody just came to me when I was riding my bike. And I really wanted the arrangement to sound sort of like New York City feels in the summer that like sort of like heat that like it almost feels like you're in a soup because of all of the asphalt around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we definitely achieved that with the production. Another interesting thing about it is that, like, I was in the process of writing my album, and I flew to Mexico to go to my husband's friend's wedding, and I was sat next to someone who was like a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And normally, when some normally at every wedding I go to, they like if I don't know anyone, I'm sat next to someone who like does music, and it's <laughs> always like the worst honestly the worst person ever it's always like (laughs) some person who like loves playing lamb of god on his guitar at open mics and will not stop talking about like these things that make no sense to anyone who's actually a musician but this person (laughs) was legitimately a songwriter like actually and so he ended up we ended up speaking and had a lot in common, did some of the same types of tours and things like that. Um, so I sent him my album and stuff I was working on and he came up with one of the guitar licks on it. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. So random. Wow. And I think he did work for like bad bunny or something, which is so the opposite of like the album that I created. (laughs) That's cool. I mean, yeah, weddings are real. If you don't know anybody, it's who you get sat next to is always an obstacle. So that's incredible that it turned out. And it's my favorite. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's my favorite yet. I'm still I I got a couple, but salt on skin. Ooh. I yeah, I really it. like it. I feel like it's like this sort of 
I wrote it as I felt myself sort of coming of age and like letting go of a lot of like bad habits of my youth Mm -hmm. um, and really trying hard to become a healthier, better functioning adult. Mm -hmm. I feel like you could hear it on that. Yes. And I'm going to be that person who reads you back your own words again, but (laughs) the line, learn from my mistakes, pulling the cracks of my heartbreak. Oh my gosh, Muriel. Oh, I love it so much. I was really proud when I wrote that one, to be honest. I wrote it on the subway. Oh. We like needed a we needed a bridge. And I was like, okay, well, give me 30 minutes. And by the time I get home from this session, I'll have it. Oh gosh. <laughs> on this show, we talk a lot about self-improvement, how we can make better choices for ourselves and the domino effect that has. You make a good choice in the morning, you make another one in the afternoon, things are going great. For me, that's eating. Making good choices when I eat helps my brain. I sleep better. It's better. I'm in a better mood. I get along with people better. And eating well does not have to be boring. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating clean with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. So you can feel your best this fall and satisfy all of those cozy cravings but also trying some adventurous food that you may have not have thought of before. And everything is nutritious. Everything is delivered right to your doorstep. Everything you need to eat clean, right to your little doorstep. With Green Chef, you're also gonna be reducing your food waste by up to 23% versus grocery shopping. I also hate grocery shopping. So they're bringing it right to me. I don't have to go to the store. Nothing goes to waste. It's a real win-win for me. I got to make a delicious white bean chicken chili. It was satisfying. It was tasty. I was very sad when my bowl was empty. But luckily, with Green Chef, you also get to keep the recipe cards. So I will be making that again very, very soon. If you would like to try it, go to greenchef.com slash 60scogs, S-C-O-G-G-S, and use code 60scogs to get 60% off plus free shipping greenchef.com slash 60 scogs promo code 60 scogs to get 60% off plus free shipping green chef is the number one meal kit for eating well so eat up my friends enjoy what a skill to be able to take I mean how you're feeling and not only like acknowledge it because a lot of times when I'm dealing with stuff I just ignore it but to be able to actually turn it into art and share it and then people get to hear it like me and they also get to relate to it. It's just, I really admire it. I wish well, I could write songs. Well, parents are therapists, so it helps yeah. in that sort of upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. And then um, one of the really fun ones, and I don't know if it's supposed to be fun, but it was for me, uh, What the Hell. Really liked that one. I put fun, bouncy, sarcastic lyrics. Those are my little Yeah, ones. I wanted that one to be fun. That was definitely, yeah. you know, it's just like, what the, like, have you noticed since like, I don't know, 2016, like every time you like turn on the news or open the mail or go on the internet, it's just like, what the hell? Yes. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with why I'm not really on the internet so much anymore because it is exactly that feeling of, can we not today? Yeah, for like five minutes. It's wild out there. It's really difficult. But again, you get to cope with that and regulate that emotion by like writing a song, turning it into something 
that's maybe going to be a fun way for the rest of us to cope with that same emotion. So again, thank help. you. Yes, it definitely <laughs> helps. Um, I also wanted to ask about the last track. I'm always so curious about the last song. Like when you do the track listing, are you conscious or is there some other scheme that goes on with how you lay them out? And is there a reason why that's the last song? Yeah, actually, that's the song I recorded first. Um, oh. But it just felt like the last song. Mm. Um, even though I hadn't written most of the album yet. I would say like 80% of the album wasn't written yet. Um, I do really think about the track listing. And it's not just me who thinks about it. Like, I ask so many people. Mm. Um, but that one always felt like the last track because it's so much about this idea of will someone love you once they know who you are Mm -hmm. and once they know what your life actually looks like. And I feel the same sort of releasing my first full length solo record of, you know, just something I wrote almost entirely alone in my room. Now, you know, there are some tracks that people help me write and things like that, but the emotions and ideas started alone in my room. Mm-hmm. Um, and though I wrote Candy Heart songs that way and everything started that way, this felt so different because I was in such isolation and it really forced me to be honest with myself. I think the pandemic did that for a lot of people. It forced them to really reckon with who they are when they're completely alone and the things that they would maybe avoid by going out a lot or spending time constantly with other people. So this album to me is very much an album where I'm really confronting emotions that maybe I didn't want to before. And it's sort of a different sound and a different thing. And I felt like this was a question, not just for like the partners I was writing it for, but for like the wider audience of people who listen to my music like when you hear this will you still be there Mm -hmm. oh boy (laughs) it's it's a very universal thing and I did want to talk to you about this is so corny I apologize um just like love because I like I said before I've had a lot of time to think about I'm I'm 37. I've had a lot of time to think about my life and what I wanted and what I thought I wanted and what I achieved and what I maybe where I conceded a little bit. And the idea of somebody finally coming into your life that sees all of it and is like, yes, I I choose that. I want that. And you're not trying to hide anything, um, whether that's a romantic partner or a friendship or being accepted by a family member or just in your community, that ability to be vulnerable and to sh- like warts and all and somebody still say like, yes, I would like to be here every day with you. I choose that. It's been a very, um, I'm not being very eloquent right now. I don't know the right word for it, but it's, I didn't think it was going to happen. It didn't it's not a guarantee that you're gonna have that kind of support. Um and that daylight song just it made me cry Aww. because that I that line about nothing looks as pretty in the daylight when the teeth of the city spit the sun into the sky. It 
it's so it's such a beautiful imagery because I imagine like New York City and like that being your your city that you're talking about, but just that acceptance, I guess. I mean, is... I really felt that when I wrote that line. Oh, good. Okay, I'm not stupid. I understand. No, I really felt that, and <laughs> okay. you know, I was like walking home alone in one of those like wintry days where the sun rises pretty late Hmm. and just thinking about like you know the night I had before and like how the city looked so raw and that Hmm. sort of light you know and how I probably looked like absolute trash and was like if somebody saw me like this if like this was the per if people if someone knew that this was like the person I am and this is just like you know my raw self like would they still be here and it really made me think of that's when I thought of that line Mm. it's really beautiful and like that I I I romanticize everything so I'm not trying to put this on you I'm just saying for me as the listener that once I got to, because like I said, I got stuck a little bit because I was like, oh, solid skin, got to do it again, can't move on yet. Um, and then I got stuck on what the hell again, and then joyride. I also got stuck because that one's real earwormy. Um, but then when I got to daylight, I sort of like was, cal- my body felt calmer. And I closed my eyes and I was really listening to what you were singing. And I just started crying. And it's probably Maybe that's hormones for me. Who knows what's going on in my body? But it just, it felt like a really beautiful punctuation to all of the the tracks. So again, I overanalyze everything. I definitely cried when I recorded it. Okay. And also had immense rage because I am not, usually like I'll play guitar and then if I'm like, oh, this isn't working for me, you know, someone else will just do it in one take. Hmm. But this one I did completely by myself, like, the, all the guitar parts and so I was intensely raging and the producer oh my friend Gary he was like does she what is happening <laughs> like is she good and my bandmate was just like she's just like this just let her go <laughs> yeah it's good to just be able to let her go and then I get to listen to it and enjoy it later. <laughs> I appreciate that. And just in general, there's like a lot of different sounds on this album. Like it's not just acoustic guitar. There's a lot happening sonically. So do you want to talk about um, maybe any of those decisions or choices or where you feel like, oh, we put horns in here and it was like the greatest thing. and It was it felt really good. Yeah. Well, I wanted to make an album that sounded like all of the stuff I listened to and not really be that's been the thing with this project is I didn't, I started it because I didn't want to be like closed into the like box of playing like warp Tour pop punk mm-hmm. where every time you do something that doesn't sound exactly by the playbook, you get angry fans. Yes. Um, and I felt really closed in to like how people perceived me and how, like what I was supposed to be making. And it wasn't really what I wanted to make. Um, so with this, I just, wanted to make like an album that I would listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that I wouldn't listen to Candy Hearts, but like something that I just felt was more in line with my widespread tastes. Cause I'll listen to indie. I'll listen to country. I'll listen to folk singers. I'll listen to punk. I'll listen to a whole bunch of stuff. Mm. Um, So I tried to pick in each one different pieces that sounded like 
well-rounded with like my musical taste. But I think the thing that I really, the one of the ones I'm most proud of is stay with me. Um, because I really wanted something that sounded like sort of a vintage, <coughs> Oh, excuse me. A vintage, um, like girl group song, mm. but a little bit modern. So we took like those girl group sounds, we made it a waltz. And I decided halfway through that, like, you know what, I want this to sound like a wedding song for like a first dance. Mm. Um, and so we made it that way, but not like an Ed Sheeran first dance way, even though I love him. <laughs> um, more of like one no one would ever play as a first dance because like the lyrics are about someone possibly not loving you because you're too much of a mental wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I wanted because when you marry someone, you marry, you know, their messiness. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. And and since you are in, I mean, you're on your honeymoon, so you're, yeah. in, you're very much in a love bubble right now. <laughs> when you listen back to songs where you were clearly with the wrong person, like for me, when I think back on ex-boyfriends and I'm like, oh gosh, why did I put up with that? Why did I put up with that? What was going on here? That was clearly a red flag that I ignored because now I'm in a really safe love bubble where everything is supportive and He's got a giant foam finger that says, go Sarah. And he waves it vigorously. Um, When you listen back to your songs or even having to write songs that kind of deal with maybe some emotions from the past or past situations, but then you get to shift to writing songs about letting your guard down, maybe or accepting love or any of that sort of stuff. How does that all shake out in one human experience? Because like I said, this album deals with a lot of different things. I think I just feel sad for my younger self that like there were so many times I felt like to be in a good relationship you had to sacrifice who you are you had to shrink yourself to make other people comfortable Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's also something as women that we are taught to do we're taught to sacrifice ourselves for our families Um, and I feel sad that I thought a romantic relationship should be me bending over backwards and staying quiet and silencing myself, shrinking myself Mm -hmm. just so another person could tolerate me being there because I've been in relationships where like, I'm not allowed to, I understand certain people can't deal with conflict very well. So, you know, you try to avoid conflict at all costs, but I've had relationships where like any emotion is ruled is too much where I was chastised for saying I love you because it sounded fake the way that I said it or I was too happy about something and that was annoying um and that's not a good place to be in so when I write these songs about those things it makes me feel sad that I bought into that being normal mm-hmm. when it shouldn't have been anything that I wanted to begin with like you should want to be alone rather than shrink yourself to just make someone happy. Yes. I wish I had heard you say that like 10 years ago. <laughs> I wish I heard myself say it. It's, But I feel like it's one of those, oh gosh, all those cliches about that you hear over and over again in the sense that once you walk through it, then you'll understand. But until you're there, you won't. And once you, for me, again, 
not trying to speak for Marielle here, but for me, like once I did meet the right person and that, that whole, like, when you know, you know, like I knew, like once I finally let all the guard down because of all the things that had built it up real, real tall, um, it felt very easy and lovely and not scary and not like movies made falling in love seem like it's wonderful and it's special, but it wasn't like this big dramatic thing. It was very easy because this person accepted me and loved me and I didn't have to make myself small or say like, Oh yeah, no, I don't, I don't like that thing that I secretly really love, but you don't like it. So I'm not going to like it anymore. (laughs) So bad that I did that for so long. It's so gross. Sarah. Crazy is that, I feel the same way as you, but I have dated people who have been very safe, loving, wonderful people. Mm. And I was the one who broke up with them for people who are absolutely horrible. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know what, like, I know I wasn't feeling it with them. And, you know, when you meet the right person, everything aligns. Yeah. But I don't know why I tried so hard to make things work with people who barely tolerated my presence and not people who were genuinely mm-hmm. good people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the the second song, Tell Your Friends, I all I, all I wrote was freedom. <laughs> um, because I when I listened to that song, I'm like, I've been there too, where it's just like, finally, once you're on the other side of it, you're like, oh, I feel much better by myself. I don't need somebody or something or I can get out of a situation whether you let me go or I choose to go and I just feel better yes that was definitely about like like I was talking about before trying to tie myself to someone who just tolerated me being there and did not really care whether I was or was not like every time I called him he literally would be on FaceTime doing something else acting like I was a bother which should have been the flag. But I was like, you know, you make the excuse like, oh, maybe he's just not someone who likes being on the phone um, or likes being around people a lot. Like you make all <laughs> these excuses that are so insane. Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't a nasty guy aside from like breaking up with me like three days before Christmas, but yeah. and still mailing me my Christmas present. Like, I don't know what men are thinking, but um, <laughs> But I was devastated, you know, when someone tells you they want to spend your their life with you um, and you believe them. Because that's the thing. I believe what my partners tell me because I regard them highly. Yes. And you just feel so duped and so stupid. And with that song, like, I didn't realize through all of the actions after our breakup that, like, he was making me actually hate him. And, like, once you lose respect for someone – it's just done. Yeah. And him being so awful at the end completely set me free. And I realized when we broke up that a giant weight was lifted and I didn't have to like pretend to be someone I wasn't or try to be an ultra convenient, easy girlfriend who had no wants and no needs. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I just, I was, I had, I have, I relate to that. That's, yeah. It's just part of growing up maybe and figuring out what you want, need, and deserve out of a partner, your life. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to 
figure out what a healthy relationship looks like when there are so many examples all around us of relationships that are working, but maybe not the healthiest. Right. Yes. Well, speaking of other types of relationships, track eight, cut me out. My little note is ouch, ouch. (laughs) So tell me about that song. That song I wrote about my closest girlfriend at the time. So like around the time that I had the breakup I wrote, tell your friends about, um, my best friend at the time decided after like three to four weeks of me being very distraught over losing a relationship I had for three and a half years, my friend at the, my best friend at the time who I was leaning on a lot was just basically like, you're bumming me out. Um, this isn't my problem. And then just never spoke to me like ever again, except when she needed something for work. And I think you realize through those situations, like for me, it was really hard because at the same time I was trying to figure out what I was doing with my career. Um, I was trying to start Best X. I was temporarily living in my mom's basement and I was really trying to just like, I didn't have like a day job. I was trying to get everything together and I lost my boyfriend, my best friend, my job, everything (laughs) that I had. And, you know, with the music industry, it's tough because a lot of the people you meet, you think like you for you. And then you realize you're only as good as what you can do for them. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize this relationship I had watched it play out like that with her and other people. And you just never think that it's going to happen to you that way. And so I was really angry that that is the kind of person that they turned out to be. And so I wrote that song. I mean, there's not a ton of songs about friendship breakups. There's a lot of songs about romantic breakups, but there's not as many about this kind of thing. And it's, that's really disappointing. I'm so sorry. I feel like friend breakups are kind of the worst because there's no world in in my mind unless someone has done something like so awful to break up with a friend. Like I understand not hanging out as much anymore or like distancing yourself because you're going through something or you just don't have anything in common anymore or whatever. Like friends are supposed to drift apart. They're not supposed to like right. just ghost you. Right. Ooh, yeah, that one, that one, that one got me as well. Um, and yes, Joyride, like I said, that's a real earwormy one. That one's so fun. Um, and then the end, which I saw the video for as well. That's quite a powerful song. So walk me through where were you? Because it seems like you're in really cool places when song ideas hit you, like you're riding bikes so you're on the subway. <laughs> um, so where did this one hit you? I was at home um, <laughs> doing nothing exciting. Um, I, it was, I started writing it uh, in like the heat of the pandemic and specifically like I had just met my partner. Things were starting to open back up in New York um, and we had been riding our bikes a lot past like the freezer trucks of bodies that they would have. Oh in Central Park and 
everyone around Central Park was like holding hands and laughing and enjoying their day amongst these temporary morgues. And I would go home and look out my window and there would be, I'm in a sky rise so I could see pretty far out, people lining up to go to restaurants, like laughing indoors while on the news, like people are dying of a virus and everyone here looks like they're pretending it doesn't even exist. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, as I was writing it and recording it, um, Roe vs. Wade was overturned. <sighs> there were like a gazillion school shootings. And I just felt really sad yeah. at the state of the world and really powerless that like there was seemingly nothing I could do that we were just supposed to live with watching these atrocities happen every single day and just continue our lives like they weren't. Mm. Oh gosh. It's, it's, it's wild to think about just like what the past three years have been like. Um, time is weird, but even just you saying like Roe v. Wade was turned, like I remember the, 48 hours after that, just feeling very, very numb and not knowing, like, to your point, like, what can I do? Like, right now, what can I do? And it's it's a very isolating feeling. And again, for you to be able to take all those feelings and put them into a song, what a gift to have that talent because I didn't know what to do with myself when I had all those emotions. Yelling on Twitter at... <laughs> helps because when I can't write a song I just do that <sighs> yeah maybe I should get back on the internet <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh sorry I got a little teary-eyed during that one um but yes okay so with a smile congr again congratulations it's Thank you. it's a real blast it go there's all sorts of feelings on here and I, again, I just want to commend you for your, you're very good with your words. Very Thank beautiful you. lyrics. Very, very beautiful. Um, I have a few more minutes with you. So uh, just really quickly, we play a game called Overshare here on the show. And I have, how many do I have? I have 179 questions. They are cool. kind of like, you know, first date questions kind of thing. So if you could please choose a number, one through 179. Oh, oversharing is kind of my deal. So yes, you'll be great at this. My husband's giving me a thumbs up in the corner. <laughs> um, uh, 65? 65. Okay. <clears throat> this one's a silly question. And I want you to try to be honest because okay. I just I just read this question and this one's never come up before and I felt a little bit triggered by it in like a shame in a shameful way. So the question is, how often do you check your phone? Oh, um every five minutes, if not more. It depends. Yeah. Am I doing something? If I'm at work, uh if I'm like working on something, then maybe every twenty minutes. Mm -hmm. Every fifteen minutes. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, I, I don't even know if you could count it as checking your phone because you would have to like leave your phone to check it. <laughs> oh, what happened to us? I'm always on my phone. I try so hard, especially when it's like, okay, work. There's no work anymore. It's the time of day where work is over. I try to leave my phone away, but that's when you get text messages from friends and family because they're also off work and that's when they can chat. And it's just, gosh, that I check my phone a lot. I, I need to TikTok. cut it down. That's been so bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just like TikTok and Instagram just like rule me. Like I'm just mm-hmm. looking at memes all day. <laughs> and and um, my entire TikTok feed is just like, it, it's just so much. It's so many politics and things that like suck me in. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's when I end up in the doom scroll and that's when I have to stop. That's when I have to like put it down because my blood pressure starts to rise. So I have no self-control whatsoever. <laughs> well, you're more, you like those emotions help fuel you, you know, like you get some great songs out of those. emotions. That's what though. I think. I think yeah. it's actually a work activity. Yes. I like it. Okay, the last thing we do is give advice. So this is asking for a friend. So we get advice, questions at random. And I like to recycle them sometimes because different life experiences offer different perspectives. So advice can vary from person to person. So Mm -hmm. do you like giving advice? Love it. Okay. So this person's asking, I could use some advice on how to be present in the moment. Do you have any advice? Well, as I just said, probably not the person <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to do this. No, but just because I choose not to do it doesn't mean I can't. Yes. Um, I think the best way to be present, first of all, is to turn your phone off. But if you're the kind of person like me who is anxious that someone is going to need to reach you because there's an emergency. Mm-hmm. You tell the people who will know about the emergency first, like I would tell my mom Mm -hmm. to call someone else specifically that I know has their phone on. (laughs) And so then I could just move my phone and not be around it. Mm -hmm. And then it's really about focusing on the things that can ground you within a room, Mm. like the things that you can touch, the things that you feel, the things that you smell, the things that you see to just focus on those things. And if you're with other people and you want to be present with that, to just really listen to what they say, pay attention to their body language and experience the things that you're doing together. Like if you're eating, don't just scarf it down so you could talk, like enjoy your food, Mm. enjoy your drink. Like just try really hard to hear, taste, see, smell, everything happening. That's a lovely exercise. I need to do that more often. That sounds great. Yes, that's what my therapist mom says you're supposed to do to get rid of anxiety, to like be more, uh, oh, it's called mindfulness. As you can tell, I do it so often that I know exactly what it's called. (laughs) Well, we got some uh, free therapy advice today, (laughs) courtesy of your mom. Tell her we all said thank you. (laughs) I probably Uh, said how to do it wrong, but whatever. No, I I can totally see how that would sort of ground you and get you back in your body and like be mindful and be present. So I, that tracks for me. 
yeah, it's a hard thing to do, but some people achieve it who are not me. Well, we're all working on it. We're all a work in progress. Yep. Well, thank you for taking time out of your honeymoon. I had no idea. So that's very sweet of you to, you know, I mean, I guess you got to keep chugging. You got to get this album. People and gotta... also, I haven't spoken to you in literally so long. <laughs> I know. This is great. I'm not going to be like, oh, let's do it later. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as, you know, Best X evolves and you have even more albums that come out, you're always welcome back. Please don't be shy. This was wonderful to catch up with you. And again, congratulations. You did it. Thank Yay. you so much. Yes. And thank and you for listening. Of course. And so let people know where to follow, stream, like, all the things. Um, so definitely go and add us to your playlist on Spotify because the algorithm is weird and I don't get it and I'm really bad at it. <laughs> and apparently that's the only thing that people care about now. Um, and on TikTok, I am Marielle.mp3. And on Instagram, I'm bestxnj for New Jersey. So that's where to find me. Yeah. Well, thank you very, very much. Uh, thank your husband as well for lending me an hour of your time <laughs> for this conversation. Give and, a up. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, and enjoy the rest of your trip. And we'll talk soon. Yeah. Bye, Marielle. Thank you. Bye.